0: You follow the box scores of the games every day, just the Lakers. You're kidding.
3: That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show, because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct.
2: What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And what a game. The Lakers came out pretty sluggish in that first half. We're down by, I believe it was eight or nine at halftime, and then just an absolute blitz in the second half. And I thought this game, Darius, really illustrated some of the the best of what the Lakers could be, but also some of the things that we can work on. So take that in whatever direction you'd like. I'd love to have a, a longer conversation with you guys about the half court offense. Cause I think at this point, that's the place with the most room to grow. And we struggled in that respect in, in the first half. Um, but in the second half, man, what an, just an absolute blitz by this team.
3: First half to me looked a lot like a team who had just came back from a long road trip. Um, It's always sort of a hit or miss game, that first game back. Um, I thought the Lakers had a certain amount of energy. What I didn't think they had was enough discipline and focus. And, you know, the old woodenism applies, right? Like, don't mistake activity for achievement. I thought the Lakers were bringing a certain amount of, like, yeah, this is an important game feel to it. Um, you could tell that both sides were into it early. I just didn't think the Lakers really did that good of a job of establishing anyone outside of LeBron, really. And, you know, when we get more into the discussion about the half-court offense and where things are are, are breaking down a little bit, I just thought that from an offensive standpoint, they just – didn't really find a way to get into any sort of a rhythm outside of LeBron sort of getting to the basket a few times. Um, Defensively, I thought they hung in there well. The, you, you, you know, I don't know when we want to get to the stuff about the third quarter and the second half, but, but I just thought that the attentiveness turned up like, I don't know, tenfold, man. And, and the way that this team has shown in spurts to turn it on i thought for basically the entire second half they just buried the nuggets in in a way that was reminiscent of what this team looked like during the playoffs last season and, and, and so to see that from this specific group was um intriguing to say the least
1: let me start Big picture on the game. And then I want to get to that first half and what you said about the offense and LeBron um, is kind of being connected to it. But what what happened in the second half was that Frank Vogel got in their ass at halftime, which Anthony Davis told us about after the game. And I don't think this doesn't happen too often. So Frank's pretty good about keeping that to the, the games where he feels like it's it's necessary. And I think that they responded – but there were also some natural factors. And I had a couple conversations with people around the arena. And I may have mentioned something in the pregame show. Now I can't remember. But this is the game where you get back from the long trip. You have the natural tendency to feel comfort. And then, as we said, uh, Pete, going back to the San Antonio game that they lost after they got back from the trip, the, the double, uh, the back-to-back San Antonio, back-to-back at Memphis. We thought that there was going to be a risk that that could happen, that they were going to let up. And guess what? There's no home crowd to pick you up. So these were the predictable NBA-type things. And then on top of that, guess who Denver lost to in the Western Conference Finals? And guess who hadn't played since mm-hmm. Sunday and had this game right. circled on their calendar? Denver's sitting there. And, I, Darius, it's funny. I tweeted something along the lines at halftime, and somebody came back with, oh, th- these are excuses. And I said, yeah, but it, it's not an excuse if it was predicted before the game. And then he cited you and the comeback to me. Um, oh, I that's my guy. Said.
3: Okay, Uh, that's my guy. Diesel, no muscles. He's an OG for me. Yeah, no muscles. Oh yeah, yeah, he's great.
2: Yeah, I love that he's weaponizing Darius. Yes. Well, he
1: seems smart though. Like his so his tweet was was a good tweet. It was it was nuanced, but I was right. Um, still like <laughs> in that, in that little back, because I'm like, he's like, yeah, well, look, you can say that the Lakers are getting, I'll read his tweet. Lakers are getting a late start. Lakers run a long road trip. The stadium is empty. At some point, the excuses are just excuses. And we can say the team is not executing relative to, relative to its opponents and its potential. So that, and, and what I said to him is like, those are not bad points at all. You're right. But I'm also, the fact that I said this was going to happen is because I've seen a lot. It happened a lot in the NBA. And I know what this team's like. But guess what? They're probably going to respond in the second half. The second unit isn't going to get tricked by a zone defense again um, for five minutes. AD is not going to play quite that poorly. And it's it's going to come around. Now, did I predict that they were going to go on a, what was it, a 15-0 run at the end of the third quarter and then completely flip the game and just run away with it and that Denver was going to score, what was it, in the second half, 35 points yeah. in the second half? And the Lakers were going to shoot 68.3% Um Half of it layups and dunks by Tht. It seemed like just getting to the rim will. So it's just like this. All of none of this stuff is that surprising. Other than the sheer length of the dominance of the Lakers in the second half, a, a lot of that Pete I think was baked into what the setup was.
2: Yeah, that's. I mean that that dominance really had a lot to do with our speed. I think you know last. Season was the bigger, faster, stronger team. This is our our speed has taken another level. Maybe we're not as big, but the LeBron came out in that second half and was like, I'm going to drive to the basket every time. And I'm going to drive with force. We're going to get out in transition. Obviously, this is all tied to our defense as well. But um, I actually thought our defense in the first half was okay, but we weren't finishing possessions. And that was either giving up a lot of offensive rebounds, or there were a few plays where like we played 21 seconds of really good defense. And it's like, ah, like, someone screwed up right at the end of it. So we were, we were close, but we just weren't finishing a lot of possessions. And defensively obviously that turned up in the second half but i thought the offensive pace like we, we're a team that really thrives off of playing with pace on the offensive end and while you can rely on your defense to do some of that just that you know, I'm going to get a 60 foot head start. And we've got two guys that can do that with the ball in their hands in both LeBron and Schroeder, right? That ability to really, and this is one of Schroeder's very best games. He had that great dive, right? That's going to be a memorable play from this part of the season uh, for sure. But even even offensively, his, his speed really impacted. I think this is one of those opponents where I look, how do we match up against them? Cause they're one of the better teams in the West. And I think that we're significantly faster than they were, than they are Darius. And that was just a big turning point in the second half is our collective team speed versus theirs.
3: Yeah. Well, I think too, that Denver on most nights is operating at a athleticism deficit, right? Like, yeah. Jokic for all of his gifts, isn't a Supreme athlete. Um, Murray, I think, is a good athlete for a point guard, but he's not particularly big, nor is he particularly fast. Or like he can be explosive when he gets down downhill. He had that great dunk, which was a highlight play for sure. And then you have Michael Porter Jr. right, but Will, Millsap
2: right, yeah, Millsap right next to Jokic right, yeah.
3: but but Millsap is is older. Jermichael Green's like strong, but he's not a great athlete either, like. Will Barton is probably the next guy. They they probably missed Gary Harris a little bit tonight. Um, but overall, Denver's just not the same athletic sort of opponent that the Lakers are, and that was true last season as well, right? Like the Lakers aren't um, as intimidating or imposing this year with their size and strength, right? But they were still last year's team was still a much more athletic team than Denver was too, just when you account for JaVale and Dwight. So even when you sort of um, detract some athleticism, when you account for Marc Gasol this year, you've upped that now with Trez. And I thought Trez had a really good game, this game on both ends of the floor. And then Schroeder um, and then you have THT and Coos and Caruso. There's, there's just more athletes on the Lakers side. And I thought in the second half, that really showed. And you heard, I'm not sure if either of you caught Mike, well, Mike Malone's post, well, post-game comments, but he talked about how his team looked worn down and tired. And for the team that was more rested than the Lakers were, I think that's telling because it was the lakers athleticism that made them that way it like it wasn't the fact that they were coming off of a back to back or they were the ones who who were in the middle of of a long road trip
1: yeah i mean worn down and tired is just silly <laughs> they
3: they hadn't played since sunday right like that's just no, a, they, but 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 they were gasping mike like they looked like they had been beaten down and that they weren't able to keep up and and yeah, over they're
2: not time to run with us right yeah, but, yeah,
1: right, but that's not a fatigue. That's not like a, you know, to me, that's more of a they just it's more of your initial point, right? It's the athleticism difference and just the just sort of the punch in the mouth thing. and they got punched in the mouth uh, after they come out pretty strong. And it's just a like i I want to tie this back some to LeBron, who, of course, you know, part of the fanfare tonight was that he passed Wilp for third in the all-time field goals list. He's going to – every other game, it seems like, at this point, LeBron is doing something like that. And afterwards, he said that he feels like he's better than he was last year. Uh, That right there is interesting, right? And he's probably right, just given the jump shot and how devastating that rounds out his total game, the threes that are going down. But what I think – I think that this ties to AD. Uh, Unless, Pete, unless you want to make another specific point about the game – Um, which I think is kind of self-evident, and it's just a bad matchup for Denver. Jokic went for 13, 10, and 6. He's been averaging 30, 12, and 10, basically, uh, for the last three games.
2: The one thing I wanted to jump in, uh, last point, regarding that is there was some question of how does Mark match up with Jokic right after Dwight was great in that series against them and then Trez, right? Trez the Clippers being knocked out, Trez uh, having a really poor net rating them being bad in those minutes was a big storyline. And Trez was, as Darius said, was great in this game. So that was just the one thing about our, our bigs. I wanted to, to point out there.
1: Yeah. And in fact, I was very pleasantly surprised that Trez was kind of able to hang um, with Jokic uh, at that point. And that was that was one thing I thought they would probably try not to have too many possessions where it ended up being Harald on Jokic. But it all worked out in this case. And, and again, I think it's that's why the Lakers are pretty frustrating to play against, especially if you're Jokic, where you, you start off getting banged on by Gasol, then AD comes over, and then Trez is just sort of barking at you, um, sprinting up and down in transition and dunking a bunch. So yeah, we can we can leave that there for a second because I, I would love to get your guys' perspective on this. I... So LeBron last year was the point guard, and he was responsible, and especially early in games, it seemed like he made a concerted effort to get other guys going and especially to get AD going. That was kind of his uh, – really from, from part one of the season. And then he also gave that same uh, defensive energy, and as the game went on, he would start to establish his offense more. And a, and a lot of times he would have you know seven points at halftime, and he'd still end up with 27. So he would just do some of his work later – this year, it seems like he's been in more more in, of a, an attack mode from the start, and I think that's helped his game, and it's helped his offense, and it's helped him t- to the point where you know he just vastly outplayed Jokic, and if there was some some back and forth from people thinking, oh, now now Jokic is in the, first in the MVP, oh, it's Embiid. Okay, well after tonight's game, LeBron's back in front from the narrative standpoint, and I think he's aware of that, but. I wonder if that plus the whole discussion that he and AD both had about them kind of easing into the season and then LeBron didn't ease into the season. I wonder if that's had some effect on AD offensively, on getting going early, on getting shots uh, in the paint and just basically having LeBron plus Schroeder, who's not the, you know, he's not a Rajon Rondo type point guard who's just going to dish the whole game. So I uh, I'm I'm wondering if you guys are seeing a connection uh, in the way that LeBron is being aggressive and going for his own stuff and that AD maybe not at the same level offensively.
2: I do think they're connected. Um it's also our point guard's new, right? Like if Schroeder was not incorporating himself or the team wasn't incorporating him as well. Like the other guy that's kind of handling a lot of those responsibilities that allows LeBron to come off of a screen and uh, and really add this three-point shooting dimension to his game. It's much more difficult to do that without Schroeder or without Marc Gasol, right? Like the two new guys in the starting lineup are usually going to be the guys facilitating offense for LeBron coming off of certain types of actions. And so there's just a lot of new parts being incorporated and this is part of the reason why I in a in a future pod I really want to get into the weeds on this uh, about the details of that but uh do you see a connection Darius between kind of the the individual uptick as as a scorer or as a you know off ball type of threat with LeBron versus kind of some of the struggles we're seeing
3: I definitely think that there's a connection between LeBron going for his a little bit more early um I do th- and, and the connection between LeBron no longer being the, the like 90% offensive initiator, right? So LeBron is probably now at like 50% of the possessions, maybe 55% of the possessions where where he is, is calling out the sets. But I think that Schroeder's presence in general is what is sort of tamping down A.D., And AD's usage is just down more like there were only two ways to really run the Lakers offense last season. There was running it through LeBron or running it through Anthony Davis and pretty much every single possession you were guaranteed that both of them we're going to touch the ball if they were on the floor together. And if only one of them was on the court, it was a guarantee that the ball was going to go through them almost exclusively. Right. Like you weren't going to have a possession where AD was on the floor and like, unless Rondo did his dribbling around thing and decided he was going to probe and probe and probe it, there wasn't going to be this possession where like, let's say Alex Caruso is going to run a pick and roll with Dwight Howard or JaVale McGee while Anthony Davis is spaced in the corner, right? Mm -hmm. But you get those possessions now if Schroeder is on the court with Trez or even with Kuz and AD is there, but it's just like Schroeder's presence as like another 20 to 22 or 23% usage guy, like, Avery Bradley's usage was like what like 15% twelve twelve percent. Danny Green was somewhere around there too. Like Danny Green wasn't even a ball handler, right? Like so AD's chances are just down, and and Schroeder's presence to me is a bigger reason for that than Braun, but Schroeder's presence also helps Braun too and activates him in the ways that trigger some of the stuff that Mike you were talking about there so so it's all interconnected right which basketball is it? it's it's they're all playing as as a team but AD is just not getting those same like okay like let's go to AD in the post four <laughs> five six straight possessions like that just doesn't happen anymore not with this version of the Lakers
1: and you know what's interesting about that I think it'll, first of all, I think it'll skew more so that AD is getting more usage and more touches. But Jared Dudley, on one of, we did an IG live a couple of months ago, and his point was the best AD to him was early AD, where like first couple of years he was in the league where you didn't call plays for him, and he just was devastating on all of the, whether it was a loose ball or a rebound or a weak side, and he's just flying in like a pterodactyl. Right. And just using all of that, like even if you want to go back to kind of Kentucky AD and just how, how much, if you, if he doesn't have to devote a lot of focus and energy to his isolation game and to back downs and thinking about and step backs and reading the defense and he can just go out there and just fly around with his, you know, incredibly unique physique. That player is so devastating when you also, when you have other guys that can do it with LeBron, with Schroeder. And now Pete, I can't believe we haven't talked about THT yet. With THT, who apparently could just get to the rim whenever the F he wants and finish with whatever hand he wants on whatever side of the rim he wants. When you add that into the mix, and then you literally don't need AD to do that much on offense. And he's got more left for defense. I mean, that that is just a, a devastating lineup. And again, I think it'll skew back. I think AD's going to eat. But it's just interesting to think about all of the additional playmaking that they have and how it's almost like a luxury that they can just throw the ball to AD too, if they need a bucket.
2: I actually think we do need AD on the offensive end, but in a different way in that him um, really being dominant inside. I think that the this game was a, an example of that, right? Like in the first half, very jumper centric and Denver was switching on us a ton. And when we're at our worst is when we're kind of stagnant. We're, posting up or isolating a ton, which we're going to do, I think, again, in this conversation that we'll end up having more in depth about the half court offense. I think we can get more out of those actions or get at least get more opportunities off of the ball. Again, another conversation for another time. But when defenses are switching, like there are only a couple of guys On the floor for any opponent that have even a chance of defending Anthony Davis when he decides he's going to dominate. And so for, to me, it's, it's very much a mentality thing. When I see him on the interior to start the, the, the second half, like him being on the inside and kind of wreaking havoc down there, Mark doesn't have that physically, uh, imposing nature to him and this is especially important uh, amidst the starting lineup so i do think that he's it, it, it's important like when he plays that way and he was great in the second half on the defensive end in particular yes. but when he plays with a certain degree of force he's um you know he's a nearly unstoppable guy and it really adds a dimension to our offense and just to our team that we don't have otherwise
3: the thing i'll say about 82 guys is that one of the ways And I think I'll reveal a little something from our text threads, not from tonight, but from like previous nights over the course of of the season. One of the times where I feel like maybe all three of us were maybe a bit more frustrated with with AD was when he and he said this some this year and he said it last year a couple of times, too, where he said, oh, well, you know, I was just sort of letting the game come to me. And the idea of like no no man like you're Anthony Davis like you don't let the game you come are the game. to you yeah. like like you're the game go in there and and, mm-hmm. and play your style but one of the things that made AD such an intriguing prospect coming out of of Kentucky is like do you remember his performance in like the national championship game with well, with Kentucky and and Mm -hmm. the way that he played in the final four in general, he was not this high usage, (laughs) dominant post player, big like in, in the championship game. I, I think that he had made like two or three baskets, but was just everywhere defensively and, and on the backboards. And, And that idea of his point guard roots as, as someone who, who, wants to sort of fit in within the context of whatever you're doing as a basketball team is what created this early idea of him as a winner, right? Like he's been a winner at every level and, and Getting an yeah. NBA championship last year was sort of the the peak of the mountain for him. And the way that he did it, though, probably was different than the way that he'd won it at every other level where he was more a cog in the machine, a vital cog, but mostly someone who was not in the center of the frame as often. And. So this year I see him retreating a little bit, making the right pass, making the extra pass. And some of his reads today were spot on reads. He just didn't necessarily make the right pass. Like he had that turnover on that kickout pass to the left wing. I think he was trying to throw it to Coos. Um but he threw it like a foot wide of him and just threw it like right out, out of bounds. But that was the right read within the context of how Denver was crowding him and really shrinking the floor against him specifically. And the thing is, is he's not a guard. So Him finding ways to be a high-usage player while not being a guard, while now when you have now a Schroeder and now in this nine-man rotation, a Talon Horton-Tucker who is also a sort of – who projects to be another high-usage guard, right, who is going to have the ball in in his hands a lot and and is going to look to get downhill and create for himself. It's an interesting dynamic for him – in terms of how are his teammates going to help him help them if that makes sense
1: yeah so pete i'm sure we'll want to break after this but my this is kind of this the overall point out of this to me is that at his best which was AD in the bubble he is an attacking uh, assassin on offense while still having all of that defense like he really can do it all but the point that we started this conversation is lebron's being more aggressive they have Schroeder. Uh, they have THT. Like, other guys are just eating possessions, just period, and it's working. And that's the point is that with this roster, you don't have to have – like, they, they are still to me right now the best team in the league so far, just so far this season, and they haven't had AD at his peak yet. So that's all I'm saying. Of course, you, he he will, I think, get back to that to a certain extent, but he can have some more of that Kentucky AD – In elements of this game because of what the surrounding talent is, whereas last year they really did need him um, to do that much on offense. And it's a it's a an interesting thing to unlock. And I just wonder with his personality how many times he's going to go to that aggressive nature when he clearly doesn't need to as much. And the last thing, Pete, Denver also double teamed him a lot today like so that's the other that's thing right. we, we have to discuss mm-hmm. like he he can't you can't be super aggressive against the double team when you have super good teammates and i think he is also making the right play and lebron ate a lot from that too and that's that's where some of those line drives that lebron took to the rim came from
2: i think the fact that we've got a lot of different guys who can handle the ball and can can maintain a certain degree of usage allows for ad to operate off of the ball in ways like for, he's not rolling to the basket very often this year he's either picking and standing or picking and popping but he's not choosing to roll very often and those opportunities are there i think that allowing others to operate off of the ball can allow him to dominate around the basket and that's really what i ultimately want to see from me from ad is more dominance around the basket rather than on the perimeter
3: we should break here because i definitely want to get into a couple of the things that i'm seeing from a half court offense perspective related to ad and why Popping seems to be more of a preference for him and it's some of the way that defenses are treating the Lakers, even though they've shown that they can hit the three ball this year.
2: No, no, go into that here
3: because uh the after that we'll take a break and we'll talk uh I want to talk to THT after the break. Perfect. So then look, man, like one of the things that I notice when I watch the pick and roll is that A D doesn't have rolling lanes. Similar to Trez, Trez doesn't have a lot of rolling lanes either. One of the reasons yeah. being is that, can you tell me, Pete? You watch the film, you watch the film multiple times. Like you go back and rewatch full games and then cut and rewatch it again. Ha- Coming off of a pick and roll this year, how many times do you think Schroeder has come off the pick and roll and made the skip pass to the opposite corner? He almost
2: never does. He's almost an exclusively lob threat guy. Yeah.
3: And so the way that you open up the role is by making the tag man think twice about Mm -hmm. who he has to tag. Right? Because if the tag man can almost always guarantee that the skip pass is not coming, then guess what? He's going to eat the role man. Every single time, he's just going to stand in the lane until you show you're going to make the skip, right? And even this year, LeBron's not even making that skip. LeBron is coming off of the pick and roll, and he's either looking to get downhill, or he is looking to put his man in jail, or he's looking to force a switch in order to get in isolation against a big man. He is not hitting the cross-court skip pass. To no, it's a great point. point yep. And so when you're pick-and-roll ball handlers are not guys who are forcing the tag man to make decisions about either taking the roll man or closing to the corner, that lob pass on the roll is not going to be there. Almost every roll catch that AD gets is a short roll catch. It's a pocket pass, which leads them into his jump shot. But guess what? When he sees one or two defenders right in front of him, he then looks to the corner for the skip pass himself, or he rises up and he shoots the short jumper. And so that's why AD's assists are up a little bit this year from last year as well. He's not getting a lot of assists off of those, I'm working from isolation and spinning and hitting a cutter or I'm in the post and you double team me and then I'm hitting the one pass away for a wide open jumper. He is operating in the middle of the defense more and spraying passes around. And he's talked some this year about how Marcus Gasol has been an influence on on his passing in those exact ways. Right. And so when we talk about. AD's evolution or, or maybe the lack of aggression that we're seeing from him as, as a scoring threat. Some of that is just the scheme. Some of that is just like the way that the floor is laid out in front of him, which dictates the play to will, will to be made. And it's interesting to me as I've gone back and looked at some of AD's numbers and been like, you know, his shooting percentage is up. You know, his his percentage of points scored in the paint is actually up from last year. Now, his dunks are down and his and and his scoring like right in the restricted area is is a little bit down. But he's still super efficient. It's just not in the ways that we got used to last season.
1: So there's there's two points that I want to make off that. And I know that, again, we're going to get to break and get to THT. This is what happens when you put the three of us together, right? I, uh, so, Darius, is it? This is kind of more of a question back to you about the specific point. Would you say that in the fourth quarter, and especially money time, that's when you start to see the AD actual roll downhill, lob threat? In, in, I am going to presume that you'd say yes. And isn't that because he's then at the five? He then does have the requisite spacing, right? It's it's two guys in opposite corner, and the bronze there. Like, so does that? Does that tell you something about sort of them doing it almost by choice when they want to, as opposed to like the whole game and the toll that it takes AD to really make that hard roll? Or uh, do you think that is that is that too loose? Is that a little bit off?
3: No, I think that I think that that plays a part in it as well. I think him and Braun also know like, look, Kobe and Shaq could have run pick and roll the whole damn game, but that wasn't what. That wasn't what Phil Jackson wanted, right? Phil Jackson wanted them to run the triangle offense. And so, but late in games, guess what they did? They went to pick and roll almost exclusively a lot of times. The same with Kobe and Powell, yeah, like right. under Phil Jackson, right? It, it was, we're scrapping the triangle and we're going to two-man game. And so you see and that more- thing.
1: I would pop for three quarters and then all of a sudden you start rolling in the fourth and teams would be like, oh, damn. <laughs>
3: And so I think Braun especially knows as the guy who's going to be initiating way more of those late game sets that he's always got in ADP.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
3: pick and roll in his back pocket and going to that early or all game isn't necessarily the best way to navigate an offense when you've got a team as talented as this one
2: well that's certainly the case i think that there's a great deal of growth even within that let's just not run pick and rolls every time i think that we can get a lot more out of our half court offense but that's a a longer conversation for another time let's take a quick break we come back we're going to talk about uh Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy, with tools like Indeed Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately, and Indeed skills tests that, on average, reduces hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests, then add your must-have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to TalentNest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Wire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com backslash BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. So there's a play in that dominant third quarter we had, that 37 to 17 third quarter, where Jokic had already picked up his fourth foul. And it was a unit that was led by Jamal Murray. And we had THT, Kuz, LeBron, and AD were still on the court. We were making our run, right? And, and Frank kind of let guys run f- for a little longer because we were, you know, we had this momentum going.
3: Anyway, Trez was in the game too.
2: Trez as well. Thank you. Um, and Murray beat THT off of the dribble and um with a with a change of direction it was almost it wasn't a split like a pick and roll but it reminded me of that he drives to the basket and has you know the help defenders rotated over and it looks like he's about to gather to shoot a a floater and tht has not given up on the play and he takes like one step in and reaches and just gets the tip of his finger on the ball and strips it and then we're off to the races and Mike, this was something, that play in particular, I'm like, nobody gets to that strip from that position. Uh, I was going over the Boston melt. The Boston, the, the national games have like five and a half hours worth of footage. So I'm still like progressing my way through that. But he had a steal against uh, Aaron, Aaron Nesmith um, on a similar type of play where he's stunting one, one move away. Vogel is such a defensive guy that if you are going to play for him and be in his rotation you got to be able to perform on that end and there's always with coaches a uh skeptical eye toward young players rightfully so because oftentimes they make the wrong decisions but mike he's got so much defensive playmaking ability that it really uh plays right into our ability to get out and run and get in transition. And just what a talent this kid is, man. Like he just does things that you can't teach them, right? Like getting a strip like that, you just like, you can either do that or you can't.
1: Well, he had three steals and one block. And I think that if you, if you watch the game closely, uh, that makes sense given just the, where his pterodactyl alarms are and the deflections. And then you're right. They're turning those into money on the other end and then he was 8 for 12 from the field and a lot of it was coming at the rim mm. and so i i talked to tht a, a, about a week and a half ago and then just put today or i guess it was yesterday I put out a piece um where i sat mm-hmm. down with him and it wasn't look so i I'll, I'll pull back the curtain a little bit i didn't i don't love the way that it's really tough to do that on zoom um so he was in a different town I, like That kind of an interview I like to do in a hotel room one-on-one so you can follow up 15 times every question and really push it out. On Zoom, it really ends up being like it was 20 minutes and it was kind of back and forth and he gave me an answer. So, like, I I think that there's a lot more to uncover there because he's very, at this point of his uh, life and totally understandably, he he loves to keep it as simple as possible and just kind of keep it moving and say, like, basically say thank you. I'm here to work hard, you know, and give generalities, right? And that happens a lot with young guys. But there were a couple of revealing things that he said in there. And one of the first ones, and, and such a kind of a simple point, that he basically he's like, yeah, I'm I'm here to listen and to learn. I don't say much. I just kind of sit there and practice. And when LeBron's talking, I pay extra attention. When Rondo would pull me aside after the, a playoff game last year and say, hey, well, come watch film in my room, um, like – That was like, that was amazing. And then this year, even he's, he's thinking to himself, I'm the only 20 year old in the world right now that LeBron is talking to about this read about this play. And so that's what his personality is like. He wants to be great. He doesn't care where he was drafted. It's not concern. He's like already in, how do I be great mode? What can I do every day to get better? That's all he cares about. Just basketball. He doesn't have any other interests really like that's, that's his thing. And it's, that kind of that was the part to me again. Without him, he's not going to, he wasn't going on and on like uh, with like Russo did about his basketball past. It was just like, yeah, yeah, that's all great. Yep, I went to Simeon like Derek Rose, but like I'm, I'm trying to be awesome. Uh, and I, I think I have the, this team, this current, the situation that he has now vaulted Wesley Matthews and Marquise Morris into regular minutes where what he played 23 tonight? Uh, yeah. So it's it's really This is his best game fast. against a really it, good team. It, yeah. these, these last three games it happened fast. Okay. But Vogel made the move and now it's almost like how do you go back? How do you go back for how do you, you Oh back?
3: you can't. Yeah. You can't take this kid out of the rotation. No, the toothpaste is so. out of the tube now, Mike. Yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: It is. And now you can that doesn't mean that you can't find ways to get Matthews in games and you get like it's gonna happen, they're gonna be other, but like he's it's there. It's it's on film, right? It's it's on. He put it on tape, like they say in the NFL. Once you, if you put it on tape and people see it, and now his teammates have seen it, the vets have seen it. Dudley saw it. He, Dudley talked about it yesterday in his uh, Zoom conference call. LeBron talks about it. You know, it, it's it's like it's been it's been uh sort of stamped at this point. Darius,
3: he Pete. So you talk about like the the sort of extraordinary plays, right? He had one on on offense, too. Um, he called LeBron over for a pick and roll. Imagine that as, like, a 20-year-old wing. And, <laughs> a, like, LeBron, come over here and get my screen, dog. I uh-huh. really appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks. Right? So comes off hard to, to his right hand. He sees Jermichael Green, who is LeBron's man. He's the hedge man, right? So Jermichael Green is in a hedge, has him squared up. THT plants the right foot hard, doesn't cross over to dribble, but goes into a crossover move, but gathers, right? He is outside the free throw line at this point, man. He's like 18 feet away from the basket, and he's gathering. I was like, what are you doing? Uh, Yeah. And so he's (laughs) gathering.
2: He got all the way to the basket from there. So he's
3: gathering. He takes... So the gather allows you a third step, right? Because it's a gather, right? It, it's so good for him for knowing the rules. So he gets all the way downhill from that point and hits his now patented. He's He does it more than any player in the league, I think, that backhanded layup, the right-hand layup from the left-handed side of the hoop.
1: It, rem- it reminds me of Giannis a little bit.
3: Little bit, hmm, right? Yeah. Or
1: with the gather, and then like the long step yep. and the switch, and like yep. the, yeah,
3: and then he's just there all of a sudden. Well, yeah. there's some Harden in there too, right? Like with the gather that's super far from from the basket, and and it reminded me of Harden because of the way that he really like jutted the ball out far away from Jermichael Green. Yeah,
2: it's like you pick up your dribble, you gather low, yes, and far away from your body, and you can draw f- fouls on that as well. But it's also a way to like sw- swing through while you're off of the dribble,
3: and then gain momentum, right, in order to propel yourself forward. That's right. And he got a layup, and it again, that's an extraordinary play. You know what was a pl- but the plays that are going to make you stick in the rotation are continuously making the mundane place. They're the routine plays that you have to make time after time after again, that as an NBA player, if you don't make those plays, you're going to be sitting on the bench because the coach can't have you making two or three highlight plays a day, right? But blowing the 10 or 15 routine plays that you need to make that help you win the game. So a play that stood out to me, Pete, was Lakers are going to scramble defensively, And he ends up on Jokic underneath the basket, right? And so he's getting buried by Jokic. But the ball then, so Trez is at the top of the key because I think that they had, like, doubled up at the point, point of attack. And THT now is low man, so he's got Jokic. But the ball, swing, swing, it goes to the corner, that's THT's rotation. Now, he's got Jokic under the basket. He could just as easily be like, look, I'm getting buried by this big dude. Like Someone else is going to have to make that rotation. But he didn't. He, he got in front of Jokic. He saw swing, swing, and he got on his horse, and he got out there to close out. And then here comes Trez barreling down the lane to get back to his man and put a body on Jokic to box out. No one is going to look at that play and be like, "Great play, Tht." You know why? Because that's a that's a normal play, that's a routine play. But the coaches are going to look at that and be like, "That's the rotation this kid needs to make." And if he's making the right plays like that, that's why the toothpaste is out of the tube. Like it's not just because of all right, of the right. extra the extraordinary plays that that he's making and these plays that make us sort of like, "Oh my goodness." Look at this 20-year-old. 20, 20 it's all the mistake-free basketball that he's starting to play that is super important for you to earn minutes on a team that's supposed to win the NBA championship.
1: And, and that just speaks to the kid's mentality and, and it, the fact that it's real, that it's not common to be that age, to be given an opportunity, to be given it on a spotlight team, and to not have some focus on just scoring. Off, like off the bench, like really—that's what a lot of young guys, it seems like, come to the league thinking that they're that they're going to do. And that he's not doing that. He really is trying to do all of it. He's trying to just be good. He's trying to have them win. And I think he understands that that's the way um, that he's that he's progressed. So I also, Pete, I, I, after the game, I kind of I tweeted something almost specifically for you because I thought of you in this context. And last year's <laughs> team, yes, you know, last year's team was new. We had Caruso. We had coups to an extent, you know, KCP had been there a little bit, but it was, you know, it was mostly about AD and LeBron. And then, you know, even some of the vets personality wise, like Duds and these guys. And, and I think that nationally people looked at them almost like a, a hired gun team. And now you have checking in off the bench, playing together, Kuzma, Caruso, THT. And there, I don't know, there's just something that's fun about that, right. For, I think that especially for Laker fans that have followed the team closely, there's, And and the fact that it's going well, and they're and they're you know even though THT is five years younger than Caruso and Kuz, you know who are twenty five, it's just I don't know. I I, it it seemed to me like when you're you're going through the film room there and you're kind of clicking on stuff, there's got to be a little smile that comes up on your face uh, when you see the kids all playing together like that.
2: It's so cool. It's there's a lot of uh, organizational victories there, right? Both in terms of identifying, hey, this guy can play or, hey, this guy's got potential to be very good and then developing them. And that's skill development. It's film work. It's all uh, G League play in the G League coaching staff. Right. There's a lot of people who've who've touched Alex Caruso's career in the, the Lakers organization uh, and, and even THT and Kuz as well, um, who can take a little bit of pride being like, I I helped I helped him get here, you know? And so it's it's great. It's great to see that. And the thing is is like our bench dominated tonight. And this was one of Caruso's worst games of the season, in my opinion. And that ability to fit in that THT has with a bunch of different types of lineups too, that I is something that I've noticed. And in the development, i I've, I've been there's a big part of me that's like just give THT the ball and run some ball high ball screens and let him go to work with Trez. For example, they've got this great chemistry that we have seen exhibited like uh you know in the Boston game um they were blitzing LeBron and on back-to-back plays you had THT set the screen for Bron short roll dump off to Trez back-to-back Ooh. and they've got this great he, chemistry.
1: Is is the is the simple reason why because THT can just get into the paint and draw the defense and they and guess what? They're strut, like isn't that part of it? If you put um Trez is like the perfect guy to for cleanup duty. And so if you can just yes. get a guy that runs downhill, that had, that draws the defense and that is sort of plays at a, a slow enough pace with the ball, it, Like maybe that's again too simple, but that's the thing that I no, think
2: it's supposed to. It's not, and the pacing is actually really important because Trez is as good as it gets for a big man for finding open passing windows. And THT is not being asked to make skip pass reads or anything. And Trez does a great job of, like, instead of rolling hard, like a lot of times, big men, especially will outrun the passing window in their roll to the basket trez knows exactly how fast to go in any particular situation to give a real simple real clean passing window for tht to deliver that pass so as tht is attacking the basket and collapsing a defense help defenders are coming over and it's just a quick little react i know where trez is and oh trez happens to be exactly in that passing window that i need him to be in so he's a, a great comfort to a guy like THT, uh, t- to have that type of guy. And so um, it would be really tempting to just develop that. And I, I do think that we should for sure. But Darius, his development, that decision that they've made early on in the season, that we're going to develop this guy as an overall player. Because like I was saying at the beginning of the year, he's a, a G League caliber off-ball player. That's what I thought at the beginning of the year. He's an NBA caliber one now and he was an nba caliber on ball player but we haven't gone to that a whole lot and so that development of the the other aspects of his game the the winning elements of his game i
3: think we're starting to see the fruit of that look man like he's a really good second side player right now right and we used to talk about what does that mean so what does that mean he is the guy that when you've got players like LeBron and AD, those guys are strong side players. They are first side players, right? The ball is in their hands and the defense shifts towards them. Then when, when the defense shows enough pressure, those guys are smart enough to move the ball out of that side. And it's one of the reasons why coaches always talk talk about like like let's move the ball around the court let's skip the pass and get over the defense mm-hmm. in order to get the defense into rotation and if not a full on rotation then get them moving right because once they're in motion you can then you can then on the second side attack them and this is one of the growth areas that we saw early in Brandon Ingram's career right and you and I used to go back and forth on the pod of bunch and you were just like, damn it, man. Like they're putting why are they putting BI in all these strong side situations? Mm-hmm. He needs to be in second side situations. And and we would talk about that a ton, like like put him on the second side and let the ball come to him and then let him use his length and reach and long stride to then attack the basket. And you'll get so much more out of that. Little did we know or I mean, I guess we knew a little bit back then because we talked talked about it some too, is that all of those reps were going to be meaningful for Ingram sure. in terms of developing him into being like a high-level, hopeful, hopefully a high-level scorer. And now New Orleans is seeing the fruit of that development work. Fast forward to THT now, and he is getting all of those opportunities that Brandon Ingram didn't get. Right, and 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 so it's it's interesting now that we're like in some ways you're arguing for the inverse for THT that what you were mm-hmm. arguing for Brandon Ingram, right? It's sure, it's sure, it's like let him cook a little bit more, let him work off mm-hmm. of the bounce. The thing is though, is that the interesting thing about THT is that he's showing an ability to beat his own man off of the dribble because he's sort of an unorthodox bully type of player and he understands his body. He understands leverage and he understands how to then extend his reach in order to finish at the basket. He's also got a great deceleration and, and and he doesn't play. fast. And so there's a lot of like, I don't want to compare him to these players. Right. But we, Mike, you mentioned Giannis earlier, right. In terms of like the change of direction and, and Euro, capabilities that 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 he has i mentioned james harden there's a little bit of luka there too with the with the deceleration and and one thing all of those guys have in common is the ability to get into the paint and finish once they're there and that's something that tht has that is just a gift that's a natural element of his game some guys never develop that man they Like they just don't, they, they don't have the gifts. They don't have the tools. They don't have that feel for what it's like to operate six, eight, 10 feet and in and get all the way to, to the cup. And and that's the part of his game where it's just like, man, he's got that already at 20 years old and he's got the ability to hockey dribble all the way through the paint, from one side of the wing to to the other, see that his man is sealed, and then fire off a three, and then make it. And it's like, I don't know what his ceiling is, but this kid is special. He's he's just a special young talent, and it's so good to see the Lakers nurturing him and bringing him along in, in a way where he can be a productive rotation player.
1: Yeah, so get used to it, right? We're going to keep seeing THC play. And uh, so that which means we're gonna have plenty more time to talk about him and Pete I'll certainly um let you get or you feel uh, please get back in on THD if you want. I just wanna switch real quick to Kuz. And I, I just I thank you. I think we haven't talked enough about Coos this year. I just I just think he's been Kuz on one possession, sprinted the lane to get all the way to the rim. And he missed a layup, uh, partly because he was going so damn fast and he had to try to sneak it under Michael Porter Jr. So instead of kind of doing the shake hat or something, and this is a guy that only got nine shot attempts, um, as usual, only got 24 minutes, he sprints back the other way in transition and packs – well, I guess it wasn't a true pack. I said pack as Darius is here. Um, he, he, <laughs> he blocks Michael Porter Jr.'s three-point shot on the other end. And it was another one of those plays like Schroeder had where he dove in the floor. Um, And it just signified what Kuz – that's what he's been about this year, man. He has been working his ass off on both sides of the court. He's been hitting the glass. He's been hitting the offensive glass. He's been making the extra pass. He's been doing the swing-swing thing. He's been – he is not hesitating when he's open to shoot the basketball. And I I just have been very impressed. And as much as we rightfully – I don't think any podcast has talked as much about THD. And I'm, I'm totally on board with that. I wanted to keep going. I just, I also don't want to uh, lose Kuzma um, in this, and I think he deserves uh, some flowers, as Darius would put it.
2: Well, someone other than us gave, and someone you know that you'd want to get flowers from tweeted tonight. Draymond Green said, "Kuz now playing winning basketball. Amazing growth in that area." No higher compliment when it comes to the uh, the spaces in between the non-box score elements and the ways that you can impact a game. Draymond Green's doing whatever Draymond Green is doing tonight. Caught some of the game yeah. and was like, damn, damn, check out Kuz. Well, Draymond, That's you how know? Draymond got some yeah. rest
3: after sitting the whole fourth quarter as the Warriors blasted the uh-huh. Mavericks, right? He had yeah.
1: numbers tonight, too. He had numbers tonight. Uh, and, by the way, Pete, the other person that gave him some props was, was his coach. Uh, Frank Vogel yep. quote Kuz is going out and killing it he's been a star in his role him playing as hard as he does on both ends of the floor this is paraphrasing here from uh, my Twitter guys don't always have that ability to play hard like that naturally you don't have to pull it out of Kuz and which is interesting too mm-hmm. because I think there have been moments the last couple of years of frustration and of not having the ball as much but he's really he's really evolved to that it helps getting the, the deal done and all that too but you know yet another reason why uh, the Lakers are this deep and this good. Is that you've got Kuz just comfortably playing a not even quite six man role because he's got three other guys that are really good playing next to him off the bench. Mm-hmm. But yes, just you know, shout out to what he did tonight. Okay.
2: he's t- he's taking joy in those aspects of the game. That's the thing that really stands out to me is that he's he's a guy that when Kuz is right. He's always He doesn't run. He kind of bounces, like he's this very bouncy guy. And that when he's feeling good about himself, everything has a bounce to it. And he's taken a ton of joy in crashing the offensive glass, in rotating over and sprinting back and getting a chase down block, or as it were tonight, just getting a fingertip on that jumper uh, and, and tracking that down. All of the, the his driving kicks have been so good this year. The thing that is crazy to me though is that that's just a different type of player he was a score we were talking about him like a 6'9 jordan clarkson remember that was the criticism of him which i don't think is actually a terrible thing to say about somebody because jc's doing well on a pretty good team himself but um he's not just that just a scorer and you hope he doesn't hurt you in these other ways darius he's contributing in so many different aspects of the game and again not all of them show up in the box score which is really the exact opposite like Kyle Kuzma a couple of years ago could not have been more opposite than Draymond Green in terms of the type of player that he was and now he's got a Draymond Green tweeting noticing him playing and being like damn this guy gets yeah
3: I think Mike didn't Frank also say something about just like embracing embracing the rule like embracing what's. Being asked of him, and he's going out and kicking ass in that role. Yeah. And look,
1: Kuz... the star in his role is like Frank's favorite thing to say.
3: Yeah, the yeah. thing is, is and and Mike, you've been ham hammering this on the pod this well this season in relation to what Kuz was like last year, and the idea of like, no man, like you play for a championship contender now like the thing that we thought you were going to be two years ago or three years ago on a mediocre or bad NBA team where you had a never-ending green light and all it was was pace 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 and and yeah we want to play defense but take it out of the net too and run then as well right And, and that was sort of the mindset of those teams before LeBron came and Kuz was looked at as a guy oh, like, oh yeah, he can maybe get you 20 a night, right? I don't know how good your team is going to be, but he could get that for you. Um, and Kuz can still get you 20, 20 a night, but that's like the furthest thing. That's not even on the menu for him on this year's team. It's not on his mind. Right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. it's not a consideration on this specific team. We just talked about it, it, in the first half of the pod, how Anthony Davis isn't even getting enough shots. So how are you going to get enough shots if you're Kyle Kuzma, right? And so go out there and impact the game in, in other ways. This is the ask. The ask isn't go out there and get us 18 or 22 points. The ask is get on the backboards on both sides of the court, right? Make the extra pass, drive and kick, run the lane, play defense, you know, on on and off ball guard up a position right so right so he had a he had a couple of good defensive possessions against Nikola Jokic to will will tonight then he had to defend Jamal Murray and then he's chasing around Will Barton Right. Oh, and now it's Michael Porter, Porter Jr. Go out there. Those are all your your assignments. There's none of these guys on the court. We're not going to ask you to to defend. And he's working hard. There's possessions where he doesn't get get it all the way done, but it's not because of lack of effort or lack of trying. And the thing that I've noticed so much more is that the level of engagement that he has defensively is translating. Also to understanding of what he needs to do on any give given possession. I never feel like he made the wrong rotation if it's a miscommunication between him and and a team teammate. I always see him Xing out the way he's supposed to X out. I always see him executing low-man principles the way he's supposed to be executing low-man principles. And though that's leaps and bounds, Pete, from where he was. 18 months ago as a defensive player. And it's just, Mike, when you talk about the development of the young guys, that's what I see. And it's just like, it's, it's just freaking fantastic, man.
1: And and the the last thing, Pete, about Kuz that I've I've enjoyed is, and I, I alluded to this a second ago, but the way that he sprints the floor, I think part of that is just, is smart. And then there's part of that too, where, like he's hungry and he knows that he that's his best way to get a good look, to get an easy look. Great point. And, so it, and sure. it, it's it works for everybody, right? It works for him, it works for the team. Uh, but it's just like having somebody that's that tall that's got good hands that can he's he's devastating in those. And if he catches the ball, and Darius, you talk so, uh, so eloquently, uh, really, you both do about angles. And I always, I was, I was watching that tonight from being inside the arena and I'm up atop the lower bowl and I, I could just. You can sort of see the way that he's lined up, even at mm-hmm. midcourt, where okay, Denver, they're not gonna be able to do anything about this, even because once he catches it there, there's he's got the angle to any like you could describe it better than me. He just he knows how to get the ball on the glass, right? On that kind of diagonal mm-hmm. cut,
2: how to run the wing. You you want to kind of loop around so that you've you are approaching it from that certain angle. That's exactly right. Well, there's
3: yeah. a feel. that as a score like that's the scorers feel and Kuz has had that from the minute he came into the league we used to see it in summer league his rookie year with like the hook shots and and like the the same sided but backhanded layups right with both his right and and his left hand where it's just like oh Kuz like you just get it you know how to get buckets Um, if I could change up and just one last thing before we we closed out. We mentioned him a couple different times on on the pod so far. I just want to give one last piece of love to Montrezl Harrell. Just great game tonight. I loved how he competed defensively. Um, look, I wrote in my game preview that I hoped he didn't see too many minutes while Nico... Jokic was was on the floor and if he did he wouldn't be that I hoped he wouldn't be the primary defender and in the first quarter I tweeted it out like oh I see you Frank like Jokic went to the bench and that's when Trez came came in and I thought that Vogel was gonna follow that sort of sub substitution pattern guess what he didn't Vogel said before the game I think I think Mark and Trez can replicate what we did against Denver with Dwight and JaVale. And then we always have a D as like the guy who, who we can also put there. And I was sort of shaking my head at that, but here it was tonight. Trez holding his own defensively against Jokic, standing up against him in the post, bothering him out on the perimeter and just playing a really sound defensive game, against a player who he probably had to stew over for an entire offseason, that this was the dude that everyone basically said you had no chance of defending and basically singling him out as the reason that his team lost in the playoffs to this Denver team. And, and, and so just shout out to Trez from me because I, I just really appreciated the effort and the level that he competed at this game.
2: Yeah, you never got to worry about Trez's effort level. And I think that Vogel is learning more and more about what he does well and the situations to put him in on the defensive end. And I also think that the surrounding talent, right, the surrounding players, it's not just a one-man job to defend a Nikola Jokic. And it really plays into the into the scrambling and speed and all of that.
1: Just the, the play that... that... What the, one of the other play, many plays tonight that was ridiculous, remember when THT, for whatever reason, decided to throw a football pass into traffic? Almost like uh-huh. he was getting blitzed, and he just was like, ah, screw it. You know, I'm going to throw it up there. I got Mike Evans over there. He'll probably go up and come down with this. And, and Trez just leapt above whoever the two Nuggets defenders were and caught the ball like a tight end in traffic. And then within, yeah. I swear, 0. 0.3 seconds, the ball was at the rim. Like, that. that is the unique athleticism and just burst. like Great has, hands too. Has, Great well, hands. Right. Yeah, the hands. Were so, and then just the the tra- the translation of the hands to, and maybe this is, is part of the same thing, but the hands to the hoop um, always impresses me. So that was a fun play too.
2: Yeah, now Trez has been been kicking ass for us. Fun win tonight, um, you know, hell of a second half. Again, we got more conversations about the, the half court offense, but the defense, man, is really starting to, to reach new levels and whenever you can do that against a team as good as Denver, who hadn't scored below one oh three prior to this game. We held them to ninety-three tonight. Um, just a really an impressive performance. So um all right, we got a, another one coming up on Saturday against the Pistons. We'll be recording again on Sunday night. You guys will hear it on Monday. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film and Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.
3: Danger's got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn. double team. Just pass out of front. Broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's game. The Lakers
0: win the game. The Lakers win the game.
3: Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It. It's on the way. Down.
0: There's first the move. First Two first score. score. Miss it. Unbelievable. Doc Plotton out of five. Bryant. Yeah. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. And
2: insulting injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding
0: me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic.